essential question of why should I give to you in the for-profit space has always been, well, I'm going to choose something in this category. Which brand do I want? Here, it's all mission-driven because there's no need for me to uh, participate at all. It's only through my giving heart that I do. So we've made a big focus of understanding the giving heart. Oh, hey. How's it going? Uh, Justin here. And thanks for checking out this episode of Group Thinkers. On today's episode, I sit down with Josh McQueen. Josh is a veteran in commercial uh, advertising, marketing, and market research. Uh, Spent 28 years with Leo Burnett, and he was the research director for Global Research Uh, endeavors for Leo Burnett and has amazing war stories of projects. Uh, We don't get too much into that uh, on this episode in particular, but I can tell you that the more time that you spend around someone with the likes of Josh McQueen, uh, the more fascinating it becomes. And if you're a marketing uh, nerd uh, to the extent that I am, which if you're listening to a podcast on nonprofit marketing, you might just be one. Uh, then, you know, someone that informs the brand strategy of major consumer brands like Josh is, is a must listen for sure. So thanks for checking out this episode. Um, we barely touch on, but I do want to make sure and plug Josh's book. It's available on Amazon. Uh, you can just do a quick search for Josh McQueen. Um, you got to scroll through some of the Steve McQueen stuff, which, you know, if you're looking for um, you know, a great movie watch. I would suggest picking up something from Steve McQueen. But for Josh McQueen, keep scrolling and, and look for uh, his book, Building Brand Trust, Discovering the Advertising Insights Behind Great Brands. It's a solid read uh, where he talks about his his work at Leo Burnett, but also some of the, the models that are used for research in the nonprofit space. So here's the uh, the conversation with Josh McQueen. Stay tuned because on the other side of it, we'll kind of wrap. Enjoy. Here you go, Josh McQueen. Well, Josh, thank you so much for making time to, to catch up today and to talk specifically about uh, something that the nonprofit industry is facing and, and opening their eyes to, and that's the changing of demographics and how age uh, connects to giving behavior. And so we're excited to, to talk about that with you today. Just at the outset, I think it would be helpful for our listeners to understand a little bit of your background and how you found yourself in the nonprofit space. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, I was very fortunate that I was able to work in the for-profit space at the as an agency person for uh, 25 years. I was worldwide head of research and planning at Leo Burnett during its heyday when we had clients like Hallmark and United and Disney and Pillsbury. Um, and, you know, we were able to do innovative work in that space. And so, like many people who decide to, you know, do something different in the second half. Um, I looked around when 
Burnett got bought by Publicy and said, well, what do I want to do? Uh, I, I was reminded of the Mark Twain quote, the first half of my life I went to school and the second half I got an education. <laughs> so when I switched into the nonprofit space, um, it really was an education that the assumptions that I made that they were parallel spaces quickly got disabused. And so many of the key metrics that I had grown comfortable with simply weren't um, as relevant, if only because that the uh, essential question of why should I give to you in the for-profit space has always been, well, I'm going to choose something in this category, which brand do I want? Here, it's all mission-driven because there's no need for me to uh, participate at all. It's only through my giving heart that I do. So we've made a big uh, uh, focus of understanding the giving heart. Um, and while there are many things that impact that, capacity to give and, and your kind of lifetime involvement with various people that motivate you to a certain area of the nonprofit space, certainly we consistently found that uh, age was a key descriptor and helped us understand it. So it's been an area that we've focused on for quite a few years. Right. So you have recently um, talked about uh, a new or updated version of a study that you uh, began in 2009. And so this generational giving study, uh, talk to us about what you've seen first in the 2009 study, but then even with some of the most recent findings in 2018. Sure. Um, in 2009, it was really a tough time for every nonprofit. If you were dependent on grants and businesses, you found businesses in the middle of one of the deepest recessions, really unable to give as they'd given before. And many grant givers suddenly couldn't afford to give their annual 5% gift to you. Um, and so we had shrinking grants. And if you depended on the um, uh, donor space, to get your funds, that too was shrinking as people's real income shrunk and as their assets seemed to be shrinking. And so we wanted to understand people's giving uh, thoroughly at that point. And of course, now we're half a generation later. You know, a generation is 18 years. So when 2018 rolled around exactly half a generation uh, later, we thought, wow, what a good time to go out and replicate that study much different environment. People are, real incomes are increasing. Um, job growth has expanded. The number of people in the workforce has increased. Um, people's wealth in the stock market, they feel like they can give of their assets again. Um, giving is tremendously up. Let's go out and look again and see what was cons consistent and not consistent between these two very different uh, time periods. Um, so, we were able to replicate the study, you know, in 2009, the silent generation was one full 18 years old. You know, their oldest age was um, still living, but now half that generation has gone, sadly. They've, uh, so there's only half a generation still alive who, and their average, you know, they start their earliest, the youngest silent generation person is 75 years old. And the baby boomers, you know, have matured into half of them are 
of a retirement age, not half of them are retired, but half of them are retirement age. They're 55 to 74 today. Gen X is um, those people who are 35 to 54. So right in the prime time of child rearing and getting ahead in your career and, and um, uh, thinking about maybe having enough to leave an estate. And then you have the millennials who have been really so talked about as a generation in the giving space, 18 to 34, um, just coming of age. So we thought perfect time um, to talk about these four generations. Um, so we looked at them uh, in detail. What were two or three of the major findings that you found with each of those categories, the silent generation, the, the boomers, Gen X, and millennials? You know, you mentioned that they're roughly the same size populations or cohorts. What were two or three of the main variables or, or insights that you were able to draw out that gives us the state of giving by generations in 2018. Sure. Well, let's start with the silent generation. The silent generation is going to make uh, their children and a lot of nonprofits uh, very happy and their grandchildren because they're leaving the largest legacy as they die uh, of any generation um, that's uh, been around because they accumulated it at a time post-war. And so their house, which was a high percentage of their total um, wealth is now being passed on to their kids. And in many parts of the country, that's quite a windfall um, or to uh, nonprofit organizations that they supported in their estate plans. And so they're a very important generation to honor, um, but they are rapidly declining in importance in the giving space. Um, they're half the size of the other three generations, less than half. Um, because not only a half the generation passed, but they were the smallest generation. Um, so those are the main findings there. The baby boomers are really interesting. You know, they were called the me generation when they were the age of the millennials are today. They were really the focus because the silent generation was so small. They were called the baby boomers because it, you know, there were more of them of that age than had been around for 20 years. And so marketers really focused upon them. Um, and they have been prime time throughout their marketing lives. And now they're not. Um, brand, brands are really focusing on younger generations, um, but nonprofits should focus on them. They are increasing their giving. They're giving actually a little bit more than the silent generation did at a same age. They have not expanded the number of nonprofits that they're giving to. They only give to six to eight nonprofits a year, and they give uh, $1,500 per person. So a couple in that age group is giving around $3,000 uh, to nonprofits and only six. So it's you know, quite a lot to each nonprofit they support. Um, and they tend to be more loyal. Uh, they have the highest uh, number of years that they've given to the same nonprofit of any of the other uh, generations. So they're an important generation. They will be for the next nine years. They will fully be engaged as they go into the age of retirement. Uh, they will be giving from their wealth. Um, and so they're an interesting generation. Gen X is very um, overlooked. 
not many people talk about Generation X. People talk about boomers. They talk about the silent generation. They talk about millennials. But the Gen X is the same population size as the millennials. They give about twice as much money. Um, and they are in between on almost all measures. They give less than the baby boomers, more than the millennials. They give to nine or 10 nonprofits, you know, 50% more than the baby boomers. Um, they're giving um, about the same amount of money um, to each nonprofit uh, that they give to. They tend not to have one or two favorites um, and they are uh, shrinking from the volunteer force. Their lives are very time compressed. And so the one thing that they can give to an organization is money, um, except for education, they're really not a big part of the volunteer market. And then you have the millennials who, uh, 18 to 34, um, they're only giving $800 per person. Um, many of them are not married, so it's individual giving. They are giving to 12 to 13 to 14 different nonprofits, which means they're not giving a lot to each one. And our research suggests that they're not staying very loyal to anyone. But you have to think about them slightly different. If you think about the average baby boomer or Generation X, they tend to be very private about their giving. Whereas millennials talk about their giving. And if I'm a Gen X and I give to you four times, well, we call you a loyal donor. If I'm a millennial and I talk to you enthusiastically to three or four of my friends who also decide that they're going to give as well, each of those may have only given one time, but that first person is like a repeat giver because of their network ability. So I think multiple gifts is a different construct when you think about millennials than it is Gen X who will repeat three or four times or baby boomers who may become loyal to you over the rest of their lives. Each one is a different mindset for a nonprofit to do the best job of connecting with and making sure that they um, um, uh, give as much money th that they would like to give that they receive. This episode of Group Thinkers is brought to you by the RKD Group blog. You might be listening on a mobile device right now, and if so, you can go ahead and open up a browser window and visit rkdgroup.com slash blog. When you get there, you're going to find all sorts of resources tackling issues that are current in the nonprofit marketing space. There's channel-specific resources focused on direct mail, digital, multi-channel, and even omni-channel. There's also hot topics like GDPR, mid-level, digital media, look back windows, and more. It's all over at rkdgroup.com slash blog. And now, back to group thinkers. You know, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, there is this aspect of personas that comes with each one of these generations. And some of your findings could lead you to see connection to giving through a life cycle, that there is a life cycle that you go through in your formative years of your 18 to 34, and then there's a second life cycle that you go to in your, you know, your mid-range years, and then as you age, that you might 
deepen your connection, lessen the number of nonprofits that you give to and change the volume in which you give or interact with nonprofits. But then you have with millennials and even the lower end of Gen X, this surge of technology that's changing the way that we connect with each other and with nonprofits. And so many nonprofit organizations, at least on the mass marketing side, define their donor base as old. Conversations that I know we've heard clients uh, reference the age of their donor. And they think of it through the lens of one channel in particular, and that's direct mail. Uh, right. How would you address this idea of life cycle based off of your age and where you are in relation to your own giving behavior and life, life stage behavior? And then what does that tell us about direct mail and its relevance into the future for Gen X and millennial or how we're going to connect to those younger generations going forward. Absolutely. Um, I uh, very tangled web you've just woven um, because it is tangled, right? The everything is interconnected. Very few people give very much money in mediums that they don't normally give in. So there is a kind of a habit forming around people. Some people like to give when they go to a retail store. They never miss a chance to um, say yes at the cash register, whether it's a grocery store or department store. Um, or online shopping, they take the opportunity to give that extra $5. And that's the way they give. Other people like to have ongoing information from a nonprofit that direct mail gives, and they like the tangible aspect of it. But I like to think of it really as connecting all of those and seeing, you know, oftentimes direct mail works so much more effectively when people have been contacted in social media or uh, may have responded to an online direct or TV, uh, direct, um, uh, direct TV or a radio campaign, and then they're in a sense, harvested with direct mail. Um, so these mediums work interactively. Um, and certainly email is becoming the direct mail. You know, as boomers were used to uh, giving through the direct mail, Gen X is more used to giving through email. And millennials are, are you know, looking for even new channels to give to. So I think there is a, um, a hap habitual way of giving that you need to understand from your donors. So, you know, a key information as you work with your relational database, your customer relation management system, is to make sure that you understand the multiplicity of ways that people are giving today and receiving information today and connecting those two. Um, they always say that no medium ever dies. It just changes its role. So if you think about movies who were going to be put out of, uh, you know, they were going to go away when television came, and of course they didn't, or they were going to go away when streaming came on, they've only become more important. So I think it's not that direct mail will fade away, but the way we use the direct mail will certainly change. Uh, the way we use email, getting someone to read an entire email with low open rates, um, you have to 
you know, make it so that people are anticipating getting the information they need as opposed to simply being solicited every time they open an email. No, I think one of the things that I've heard a uh, mutual colleague of ours, Max Bunch, say many times over is, as acquired, so renewed. And so yeah. to your point, the way that we connect with people and the way that we analyze giving based off of how they're responding should be a major tell for how to maintain a relationship with them. One of the, uh, the very interesting findings that, uh, that you mentioned earlier is the number of organizations that people give to based off of the generation that they fall in. So Gen X giving to 50% more organizations than boomers and millennials giving to 100% more organizations than boomers and 50% more than Gen X. What do you think's driving younger generations to be less connected or less loyal? Is it a, a division of their attention and their affection? Uh, is, is that going to result in less loyalty as a multi-year donor over time? What are you seeing there? I, I think that unless you have a, um, a genuinely uh, connected reason to give, you simply won't give because you're, quote, loyal. The, the concept that I should just continue to do what I've done um, is, is simply not going to happen. When people are uh, spending, you know, uh, 90 minutes a night on an Instagram set of feeds um, or spending two hours, you know, skimming through YouTubes um, or, um, you know, deciding to, you know, bunk down and, and feast on a season of their show that they've missed up to that moment. They're in a different mindset and one will follow the other. The opportunity just to make sure that you can deliver the same message to everyone and get them in sync with you and build loyalty through that continuity of message just doesn't exist. And so the person who gets a millennial to uh, be part of a walk this year and, and, and invited three of their friends and they had a great time, there can be no assumption that they want to do the same thing next year uh, just because they did last year. Uh, so you're going to have to be able to get something involving that makes sense to them in between those yearly events. Because if you wait a year and ask for their annual gift, ask for them to attend the walk again, I think you'll be sorely um, uh, disappointed. Um, because anyone, you know, it's a random walk of which things I open and look at and decide to participate in. Um, so I, I think a lot of this is trying to get them involved in multiple ways. When they network with their friends, that's terrific. When they volunteer some of their time, and they are twice as likely to volunteer as the Xers were at the same generational moment. Um, so you have a group of people who will give their time. Um, so how do you give their time in a way that makes them feel fulfilled? Because if you ask them to come in and they lick stamps for an hour, they may never come back to you. But if you harness the energy they have in applying new technology, 
um, harness the energy they have to connect with other people like them that care about their cause, um, then the chances of them coming back, I think, as good as it's ever been. But it does require a thoughtful campaign of activity across time and not assuming that they'll be loyal because they've given to you two years in a row at an annual um, way of reaching them. I love the word that you use there, thoughtful. And I think that that's so key for nonprofits to consider across all of these generations, right? The, the thoughtfulness of their messaging, the thoughtfulness of the ways that they connect with them, of how they're trying to intensify that relationship, whether or not that's for plan giving requests for the silent generation or to you know, move someone up a giving pyramid uh, at the baby boomer stage, or if it's transitioning someone from recurring giving, you know, as a Gen Xer into larger annual gifts or subsequent annual gifts down into the millennials of, as you said, capitalizing on activism. And it's my important that people are thoughtful, mindset, right? If you believe that your gift is making a difference for a cause that you believe in, you're an activist. Um, you may not have made a phone call, but you're an activist. If you talk to someone who's given a gift and um, and encourage them to and give them the tools to connect to you know a couple of their friends about an issue that they care about, you've made them an activist. And so you know, uh, so acting out is an extremely important thing to do. And for you to be able to take you know to have the empathy understand what they're doing when they give to you. One of the surprises a lot of nonprofits have when they look at their major givers is that they're major givers to them, but not to the causes that that person believes in. So if I'm giving uh, $1,000 a year to my church and uh, $200 to you, that $200 may make you think of them as a major giver, but it's not really to them. And so if you talk with them in an assumptive language, like, of course, you know, you're one of our most important donors, they're going to be surprised. But for another person, $200 could be absolutely. And in this world of database connecting of multiple data pieces to understand who your users are, who your donors are, it becomes more and more important to be able to see through their lens and have empathy for them. And the more you can use the information that you can gather about each person, just to be empathetic about what that gift means to them so you can talk in a consistent way in whichever medium you're using, I think that becomes so important. You know, we're in a wonderful state to where you can leverage technology to stitch together data and use research to inform your strategies. And so a lot of these things are coming together and, and nonprofits now more than ever need to be exceptionally smart with their strategies. Uh, so on the strategy side, I, I heard uh, you giving a lecture recently on a lot of this material and you said something that stood out to me. Millennials want to lead, boomers want to follow. Now give us the context around that statement and then what is your perspective on how that idea informs marketing strategy? So millennials don't want to do mindless tasks. And, you know, they've, 
they've experienced walking into a volunteer project and the gray hairs are, you know, um, being treated as, you know, as the potential leaders and they come in with enthusiasm, they have ideas. So millennials want to lead with their ideas. They would like their thoughts heard and acknowledged and have an opportunity to play out. Boomers, on the other hand, are kind of worn out of being leaders. And, you know, they would like, you know, mentoring is fine, but don't ask me, because I know the hard work that's involved in leading. So I'm not willing to give you that portion. I don't have the energy or interest to do that at this point in my life. And in fact, many boomers are saying, I want to learn a new skill. You know, if I am a uh, chief financial officer, I'm really good at organizing disparate bits of information. Maybe I can make videos. Teach me how to make videos that would um, help the cause. Um, and a millennial knows, oh, I know how to do that, you know, but let me give you the content for those videos. So the millennial could lead with the ideas of what would convince other millennials to come aboard and get engaged. And the boomer could follow, but give them the organizing tools to make everything happen. So there's, a, there's a felt leadership and there's real leadership. And if you ignore millennial and assume that they're just there to do whatever the boomer or the leadership of the nonprofit wants them to do because they believe in the cause, so they'll do whatever, they're going to be very short time people with you. Um, and you have to give them the capacity to work at home, to work on odd hours. To, you know, they're used to doing that kind of work. They grew up in an environment where team was king. At school, they were taught to work in teams. They're very much willing to work in teams, but they've learned that if they really want to make a contribution, they have to be willing to raise their hand and step up and lead. And so they want to do that. Organizations that channel that energy will benefit because volunteers give four times as much as non-volunteers. So if you can get an get that kind of spirit of volunteerism um, harnessed within your organization, it'll pay dividends in many ways. Okay, so looking ahead, uh, 2026, 2027, another nine years down the road, I mean, you, uh, you, know, you conduct this study. Uh, what do you forecast that you would see in giving based off of these generations in that time? Where do you think that we're going to see the giving patterns of baby boomers and Gen X and millennials and even, you know, Gen Z at that time. Exactly. Okay. Well, first of all, the gen, the older Gen Xs, those that are in 10 years are um, 55 to 64, will suddenly have started giving dramatically more. And so the work that you're doing right now with Gen X is going to pay huge dividends over the next 10 years. Not only are they writing their estate plans now, but they're ready as their kids go off to college, um, as they require less time to step up and, and, and they are changing, you know, they're, the, the number of issues that they're willing to get behind, they will be moving into the health arena. They will be moving into veteran support. You know, there are going to be a lot of areas that they're not important today, but they will be important in 10 years. 
baby boomers will be um, uh, beginning their decline and leaving their money to those millennials um, that they uh, birthed. And, and so I think there's an opportunity to, um, if you're working with baby boomers today, don't decide that uh, we need to um, be younger, so I'm going to abandon them. You need to continue to support your efforts as they age um, to make sure that you're in their final estate plan, to make sure that uh, their increased giving off of their wealth base you know, comes your way. And millennials will be the great um, question mark as they move into Gen X. The two generations that preceded them, Gen X and baby boomers, stalled during their um, next nine-year periods. So if millennials follow the footprint of their elders, they will uh, not give more um, than they're giving today. Um, and so, but they will be adding number of nonprofits. So that speaks huge about ability to keep their loyalty and fill in behind. And, you know, Generation Z is the great unknown. Uh, it always is. They're coming in um, terribly technology uh, sufficient. Um, it seems like every other generation is ignored. And so with all the interest about the millennials, you wonder if Z is going to be, you know, like the um, Gen X or the silent generation, pretty much ignored by marketing. And if so, there's a tremendous opportunity to study them and understand them over the next nine years so that you can, you know, find your place in their hearts because every generation will have its own unique way of doing. And of course, the Z generation will be the first um uh, truly brown generation, uh, which is, a, you know, a hallmark of so many societies throughout Latin America, um, where over half the generation will be non-white Hispanics. So that generation um, is going to be, if they're like their elders, much more focused on their smaller community and their extended family and nonprofits that um, do a good job of reaching into each community, understanding that community's need and being specialized to that community, having a community face will probably do uh, much better. Fascinating times that we live in with uh, the tipping point of so many elements taking place between age and technology. Uh, and so appreciative of your work and the work of your team of continuing to dig into these relationships between giving and age and behavior. Josh, how can people uh, connect with you or follow uh, the work that you and your team are doing? Where can they find you? Absolutely. Well, we're McQueen Mackin and Associates. So mcqma.com is our website. Um, we welcome one of the things that we do every year, we do two pro bono studies for nonprofit organizations. So we would welcome the opportunity to um, fill out our application and um, see whether there's an opportunity to, um, um, for us to do good. Our job is, you know, we're second half people um, and uh, really focused on giving back as well. So we, we work in the nonprofit space and, uh, 
uh, do market research of all kinds, database marketing and, and, uh, and research for clients and uh, love doing that. Very cool. Well, Josh, thanks so much for taking time to chat today. Uh, and I really appreciate your insights and uh, look forward to not just nine years from now, but uh, <laughs> even more insights coming from you and your team uh, over the course of the next month and year. Well, you guys do such great work and, you know, we're big fans. So glad to be able to participate with you, Justin. Okay. Thanks for checking out this episode. You know, among the things that stood out to me in my conversation with Josh was his perspective on generational giving and how there are so many similarities. Um, I am particularly interested in the crossover effect of certain behavioral tactics skipping generations. So when, whether or not that means that there are behavioral tactics that line up between the silent generation and Gen X or uh, the baby boomer generation and millennials. And that one in particular is of note at this time, you know, when you have uh, boomers prominent in many of our nonprofit um, marketing efforts and initiatives, uh, targeting boomers through uh, traditional channels like direct mail and, and other analog efforts like telemarketing, but also uh, boomers dabbling into the online space and then the conversations that we're having uh, around planning and targeting and engaging with millennials, how those, those two groups may share more than they uh, realize they do. So uh, what a great chat. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did to sit down and, and talk to Josh. As Josh mentioned, you can connect with him on LinkedIn as well as the McQueen Mackin and Associates website. Um, as I mentioned in the outset, you can find his book on Amazon that's Building Brand Trust, Discovering the Advertising Insights Behind Great Brands. Um, and then, you know, just a special thanks to uh, RKD Group for helping us pull together this episode. Uh, for more information about RKD Group, visit rkdgroup.com. You can also find RKD Group on all the social channels. Uh, so LinkedIn, Facebook, so on and so forth. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for checking us out and we'll see you down the road. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, check out rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to Becky V and the team for all the production work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers.